0: So what happens? They, they go somewhere else, as in they don't go to church. They fill their life with other things. They go and find a community that they do feel like they fit in with. And so I, even though the intent is good, I think this separation of children from parents on Sunday has actually fed the problem we have with ministering to that young adult age gap
1: that we're seeing. Welcome to Through the Bible Together, a production of International Baptist Church Cologne. Our aim is that this weekly content will stimulate conversation and meditation on God's Word. Well, hi, it's good to be back for another episode of Through the Bible Together. This is uh, Jonathan Douglas, and I'm joined here with David Martin. We are pastors, two of the pastors of IBC Cologne. Um, David, you've been away this last week. Did you miss us? I did. I did.
0: We had a good time. I took my family to Paris this last weekend, and uh, primarily to visit uh, a sister church there in Paris, but also to, obviously on Saturday, we took our kids around the city and showed them the important things you need to see in Paris, you know, the Louvre, the Eiffel Tower, these such things. But we had a great time with the church, the Emmanuel International Network of Churches. We visited the the parent church, as well as uh, the church that's currently meeting their church plant that's meeting in the city of Paris, more central, in a cafe. So that was a quite an experience. But what a blessing to spend time with John Hugh Tate, the pastor, and the people that are part of that church. So had a great time. But I am glad to be back because, you know, it's good to visit other churches, but it's best to be in your own, you know?
1: <laughs> Did you get to see the uh, Notre Dame when you were there? Is it even open? No. Uh, it, it's not open,
0: and we didn't see it. Isn't that horrible? We talked about it, and then it just never, never happened. We, we, you have to time these things, you know. When you take your kids on a trip, and you you have one day to see the whole city, you have to pick your battles. And plus, it was raining, and it was cold. And so, by about three o'clock, you know, our nine-year-old is like done. He's done with museums. He's done with walking. He's done with life. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was, it was time to go. And so, yeah. Next time, so thankfully, you know Paris is only about five and a half hours from from here, so we can plan another trip to see all the things that we didn't get to see on this this go around kind of a flash in the pan mm. trip you know you
1: get there, you see it, turn around, you come back, so yeah, it definitely has a lot to offer <laughs> worth another it does worth another day yeah, well it is yeah um we've yeah, last Sunday's sermon was really focusing on preparing our church. So we are now beginning the Book of Exodus, a study. And the Sunday, Sunday sermon was really just preparing us, introducing the series and preparing everyone to participate. So it's not so much that I want to, I get to ask questions today. Not too much that I want to ask or yes. um, delve in in terms of the content of the sermon. But it does give us a chance uh, to take a... A chant uh, take a like little walk down memory lane and help us understand how we how we got here talk about our story tbt is really yeah um yeah through the bible together tbt I, we started primarily because you wanted to have another three letter acronym an acronym <laughs> that's right <laughs> um it's really a whole bible whole community kind of approach to it's to to word ministry and it's not it's not like it's totally novel but it is some way unique um could you walk us through then? Yeah. I, yeah. How we, how we've, how we've got where we're at.
0: Yeah, that's, I'd love to. So when Kristen and I came in 2013, what we walked into at this small church, International Baptist Church of Cologne was what you would typically find. I think in most Western churches, or at least most Western Baptist churches where uh, you have the standard, you know, music announcement, music, offering, sermon, you know, and then closure, kind of the order of service. But in, in there, right before the sermon started, there would be kind of a kid's moment where they would have like a, uh, they'd sing a song or they would do something and then they would be dismissed and all the kids would go to the children's church. Many churches do this. It's not an old way of doing it. It's a rather new way of doing church, a uh, corporate gathering where the children are ministered to kind of separate from the, what they could say, big people church or adult church. And uh, the purpose is twofold. Number one, we want to be, the, the intention was that we want to be diligent to train the kids in their own context in, in a way that, you know, they understand because the sermon isn't necessarily geared towards five-year-olds. But, uh, but secondly, so the, the kids can be taken care of, so the parents have the opportunity to, to sit and listen and to receive the word. Uh, and so that, that was kind of the intent uh, at least as I understand it, but really, as we began to go through the years, there are two two things that started to that we started to notice number one, it was really hard to uh, keep people signed up to do children 's ministry because it 's a big responsibility you got to prepare your teaching you got to be out of the service so sometimes there were some ladies and men even who were serving in the children's ministry, who hadn't heard a sermon from the pastor in months, weeks. And so they, they try to build a rotation. But if you don't have enough people to to lead the children's ministry, you end up with the same faithful five doing it every week. And then, then they have to go back and, uh, you know, listen to the sermon later. And it just got complicated because then during communion, we'd have to bring communion into them so they could take it, but it wasn't with the body. And It just got crazy, and so we just began to pray about this, and and we just realized, like, man, we are creating such a problem. And I I began to think back on my own experience as a child growing up in church. We didn't didn't have children's church growing up. We had Sunday school, and I think it was the same with you, Jonathan, when you were growing up in Northern Mm -hmm. Ireland. You would go to church in the morning, and you had Sunday school, which everyone kind of had their own designated class, divided mostly by age group. Uh, sometimes with the adults, men and women. But you would go to that Sunday school for an hour or so, and then there'd be a little bit of a fellowship break, and then the service would start, and everybody went to the service, old and young alike. That's similar to your experience as well. We had to sit quietly. (laughs) That's right. So you learned at a real young age. You weren't necessarily paying attention to the sermon, but you definitely weren't making noise. And uh, that was my experience growing up. And so I grew up uh, singing the songs. I grew up listening to the preaching. I grew up watching my parents participate in communion or participate in the singing. Um, and then as I grew older, I came to faith, my own faith in Christ. I, it was very natural for me to just engage in those things uh, because I grew up around it. Somewhere, and I don't have the history of this, but somewhere In the last, I would say, 20 years or so, there's been a new kind of way of doing church in the Western world, particularly in the Baptist world and and evangelical world, which is there's this children's church, which is a separate thing that's happening parallel to the normal, what we now call the adult service. And uh, what's interesting is although the intent, you know, to minister to the kids and give the parents a, a time of focus Uh, I think what it did was it actually did more damage than good. And I'm not saying this is the only reason this has happened, but we read statistics all the time that there are, you know, basically between the age of 15 and somewhere in the mid-20s, these young adults are not in church. They leave church and then they don't come back until, you know, some of them not until after they're married with kids. Mm -hmm. And I began to ask myself, like, why is that? Why is it we cannot keep people at that age in church? Now, there's a lot of other reasons. But I think one contributing factor to this is that we've created a gap uh, for these young people as they're growing up in church. And essentially what we're doing is they're growing up in a different community than their parents when they go to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So the parents come to church. We all were doing the singing together, and then the kids would go off to their own quote unquote church, although I think that's a hard word to use since most of them are not born again and are not part of the body of Christ yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's hard even, but we called it children's church or children's fellowship or yeah. you know, words that because we can't think of other words for it. Uh, and, and it, and it. And so these kids grow up and then they, 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 they grow out, they age out of the children's church, right? Mm-hmm. And when they age out of the children's church, they go, then they're kind of like, now you go to big people church, uh, a format they're not used to listening to a guy they've not really heard much from, except, you know, seeing him on Sunday and knowing he's the pastor. Uh, And that's it. And so they feel disconnected and they don't, and they've not been trained in how to participate in worship and how to listen to a sermon. And so they just don't care. You know, that's, that's adult, that's mom and dad's church. That's not my thing. And the parents don't enforce it. And so what happens? They they go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. As in, they don't go to church. They fill their life with other things. They go and find a community that they do feel like they fit in with. And so, I, even though the intent is good, I think this separation of children from parents on Sunday is actually fed the problem we have with ministering to that young adult age gap that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So, all of that to say, um, we just began to talk with we as elders, and Johnny, you were an elder at this time. By then, as well, began to talk about what does it mean for us to be a church, and how do we minister to these kids? Uh, We were even, even, even in our small church, we were seeing this happen: these young people aging out, and then not really coming to church after that,
1: and disappearing. And uh, I mean, it it started with a family mm -hmm. issue. It started with a concern for the family. It started with seeing some practical awkwardness. You mentioned the Sunday school, we called it then, the teachers. And, and then we began yeah. to think, well, if we were to strip away what we've inherited in terms of practices from however long ago that was, and start to kind of go back to basics and figure out what principles should we be applying, applying or seeking to apply, then we came closer to you know, what we're proposing as a solution now. Which I, th- which I guess you're going to describe as how we're bringing people back in together to yeah. be a family in the worship. Yeah, exactly.
0: And before but before that, and I think and there is a principle, a biblical principle that we really landed on um, to really begin to not necessarily rebuild, but rethink and reform what it is to be a local body of, of Christ. But before we get to there, I think it's important to also mention that was one problem we saw, the issue of, of seeing these, we're not ministering to, to the, this generation, you know, there's a gap. The second thing that we saw was uh, as as elders, and at this time, we had just moved over to elder-led kind of leadership. We had rewritten a new constitution. We had written in our biblical view of elders and really started living that out. And so we as elders, as a plurality of elders, learning how to do this. And another problem that we really began to see was in our, our weekly fellowship, our church practices, we call them life groups. They're called home Bible studies. They're called whatever they're called. Discipleship groups. Yeah. Di- discipleship groups. They're, we had people meeting in homes all over the city to learn the word together, to, to do life together, community. What was so difficult about that is there was no unified way of doing it, in terms of how do you do life together. And, and, and number two, there was no unified uh, approach to the Bible. And so some groups were doing a book, as in a book that was written about a topic in the Bible. Some people were doing one book of the Bible and another book, you know, one, one group's doing the book of John. There's another group doing judges. And basically there was no uh, unity in what we were going through. Every group, every man for himself and as a group of elders, that's very difficult to shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to f- figure out how can we unite things so that we as shepherds can can, can do a better job shepherding the church and bringing oversight. If, if our primary ministry is the word ministry, it's really hard to keep track of all those groups with all of those different books or different topics they're going through. And so it just really felt disconnected and it was really hard to kind of gather up where, where are we at and where are we going as a church? And so th- these are the two areas. And so as we began to study and pray together, um, I was really convinced that we needed to get back to, and the elders were convinced too, that we needed to find a way to unify our church. And we, we went through, uh, Ephesians together and really when you get to Ephesians chapter 4, you get this understanding of that we are one body. We are one. I mean, over and over it says we are one, we are one, we are one. And, uh, and then as elders, Ephesians 4 says that God has given the church shepherds, teachers, for, for the equipping of the saints. Uh, it's f- the elders are for building up the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. That's essentially what it's saying. And so how are we supposed to do that if we have to kind of keep track of who's going through what and, and what life group leader is teaching what? It's just very difficult. And so, mm-hmm. um, and on top of that, we were really convinced as well when it came to the issue of families that uh, we have done a disservice to our members by giving them or teaching them to understand that the the primary people who teach the word to their kids is the church. And that's not what scripture says. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, if you go all the way back to, you know, one anchor passage that we use to kind of teach our church through this transition was Deuteronomy chapter six. Mm-hmm. In Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six says, these words that I command you today, you should be on your heart. And it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, when you rise. Mm -hmm. the responsibility, the primary people responsible for training children are those children's parents. And we came to the conclusion that we need to be, if we are the elders and our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, then one of the major, major responsibilities that we have as elders is to equip parents for discipling their children. What happens on Sunday should be, uh, should be kind of an add-on or uh, what, I can't remember, how, what, do, what do they call those extra vitamins you take when you're training? Supplements. Supplements. <laughs> it's a supplemental resource for the primary responsibility for the parents to train their children. And I think, and I don't blame the parents for this, I, this falls into the hands, I think, of the church leaders who have taught them to think, I bring my kids to church so they can go to their children's
1: class and learn about God. Yeah, I remember we were driving... I was fixing my kitchen at the time we were driving back from Bauhaus the big kind of big box store over here and uh, we were driving back together because I came to you to make the use of your big white van to move some kitchen counters and we were driving back I can't remember exactly what you said but this was about that time when we were kind of struggling with the old kind of Sunday school curriculum and then you know how it's applied and why we do it and I was asking lots of questions and you had said something along the lines of well it's the we as a church need to be equipping the parents so the parents are training their children. And we were talking about you know, Deuteronomy 6 and how it all fits it all fits together in the sense that you're not just delivering information for you, to your child. If you think about that level, first of all, you're not, as a parent to a child, you're, you're, you know, you're talking about it when you're on the way, you're, when you rise, when you get up, when you go to bed, when you're in, when you're out. It's like just, it's not qu- quality, but it's quantity. It should be quality too, but, you know, we're all learning as parents. So it's it's a quantity of experiences that you're teaching your kid to view and understand God. And it clicked with me. Well, I could do that separate from what I'm learning, and that'd be good. Like, I could be learning through John and then teaching my kids some Bible stories through judges, just to use your your illustration. But what better is it that if I can teach my kids through the passage of of the Bible where I'm learning about, not just information-wise, but I'm also learning... Hey, this is how you know I'm learning about the church. Let's say I'm learn or I'm learning about Jesus being the life and and the light in in John, and then I can actually share with my kids not just information, but how I am being instructed, or I'm I'm being prompted to respond, and that's so much better that kind of life on life idea with your with your child. So therefore, why not make the same material that the kids are learning that what what the what the parents are learning and that's where we get to that second level of well the parents are learning that to which they're being equipped from the leaders of the church and so if you have this kind of common curriculum or common content then that's a that's a really one good way of equipping the parents to 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 disciple or to raise up their children
0: yeah that's exactly right and which is exactly what we decided to do and i will add that this transition did not come quickly we had to teach it to the church and we did receive some pushback because people have become so used to children's church and to take that away for some was like saying you're taking away my kids opportunity to be part of the church you know how dare you and what we were trying to show was no actually we are in, we are giving your kids an opportunity to engage in the real life of the church to be not necessarily participants, because until they come to faith, I wouldn't say they're participants in the church, but they can learn to be very close observers. It's like people who uh, get invited to a football game, like a professional football match. Okay, let's, let's say it's Football, not American football. And so they get invited to a soccer match, but they just don't get invited to sit in the stands. They get invited to come and stand on the sidelines to really hear what's going on between the players and coaches. And this is what our kids get every Sunday when they are sitting in the church with their parents. And this is the kind of experience that we want to give them. So, because it accomplishes a lot of things. When you remove the children's church thing and you just say, no, the kids are going to be with their parents... And it's not saying we're not going to provide. Like you said, we want to provide material that is geared towards a specific age group. But it's to help them process and help them engage and kind of experience that life together, you know, with with the Church of Christ. And so, in, and I have to say in the beginning, we we overshot. <laughs> we out outpunted our coverage, as we say in American football. We tried way too hard. We did too much. We were trying to write... A narrative for the little kids, a narrative for the older kids, uh, a study guide for the life groups. And on top of all of that, we were writing sermons every week, or I was writing a sermon every week. So my wife was in charge of the, the little kids and the older kids' stories. She was basically writing a narrative for every you know chapter of the Bible as we were going through Genesis. And uh, that should probably be said, too, when we decided to do this, we started in Genesis. So let's start from the beginning and work through and we could talk about that if we want, but I um, wanted to go through the whole Bible. And we started writing all this stuff, you know, the, the, the narratives the, and then all the material. And there was coloring sheets. And we also had people writing puppet shows and having puppet shows for the kids during the service. We had memory verse songs, not just for the kids, but for the whole family. We developed this idea that as we're going through the book, we're going to have key verses that we are putting to song and teaching people to memorize through song so that at the end, if they have all the songs memorized, they'll have an outline of that book of the Bible, what's theoretically what we wanted to do. And after doing Genesis, you know, it was it was a fantastic experience, but it was exhausting. I mean, what we accomplished as a church through the book of Genesis, I think most churches with a staff of 20, ha- you know, do. And we did with a group of four or five volunteers, really. Uh, and uh, it was it was good, but it was also we realized... It wasn't it was hard. It was it was too much. It's ideal, but we had to cut that back. And so what we developed was an an organized way to invest in our kids, but to really supplement and encourage them in what they're learning at home. And so the kids meet before the service now and they meet for 20 minutes or so and they do a craft and they learn the memory verse and they talk about what they're going to be hearing in the service. And then when they get up to the service, sometimes there's a puppet show uh, and, and the puppets are kind of giving the principle from the text so the kids have something to listen to. And so the kids are getting it. Okay, we're learning this today. This is the theme today. This is the topic today. And then there's even a memory verse song. And every few weeks that memory verse song changes and the kids can engage in that memory verse song.
1: And the adults, too, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <The> old, everyone. <laughs> whoever, and then, whoever made uh, memory verses just for kids, right? Yeah, that's right. That was, it's always this been just it. for kids, right?
0: We as adults don't even memorize anything. Um, <laughs> no, and that, that, that was actually a turning. You make a good point. For a long time, it was like the kid's memory verse. And it took us a long time to say, no, no this is your memory verse. Everyone in this church is learning this verse so you can understand what we're learning from the Bible. You know. The psalmist says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Like to know God's word, to hide it in our heart is such an important part of the Christian life and experience. So we want to teach little kids, start early. But some adults are learning these habits at an older age now. So it's it's never too late to start. But then before the service, uh, we also hand out a packet to all the kids, which has a coloring sheet or some kind of game or puzzle, a way to engage them in the service. So the coloring sheet is directly correlated to the sermon whatever it is that Sunday. Uh, and sometimes for the older kids, there's a maybe just empty boxes, and we ask them to sketch what they're learning, draw a picture of what they're learning. Sometimes there's maybe a crossword puzzle that all the key words from the text are in that crossword puzzle. So as they're listening, sometimes maybe not directly listening, but I think we, it's amazing what kids can pick up even if they're doing something else. Even if they're drawing Mandalorians like my son. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've come home, my kids have, my son has driven a, or written a, or drawn a picture of a tank. I was like, I don't remember that tank being in the sermon,
1: but you got to start yeah, somewhere, right? That's right. Uh, so it's not flawless. Yeah. So we've got, essentially, we've got uh, to, to, to describe, where we painted the picture of the issues or the, the opportunities mm-hmm. of how do we best be parents, raising our children, not handing that responsibility off. And then also as shepherds, Uh, And and any member of the community, how do I help and encourage others, you know, or especially equip those parents? And we've come up with this one one kind of material that we're all together in the same passage, whether it's life groups, or or home studies, whether they based on this sermon text, which is hopefully what yeah is is what the parents are at home sharing with their children through each day. And then we've got all that extra material that they can use, and whether it's graphics or or te- little sheets of activities, and um, and of course then finally on Sunday we are all together as as a community. And I remember, <laughs> I remember implementing that. It's definitely given us some opportunities to have to bear with one another, and that's also a good lesson, <laughs> <Yeah>. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we it it was. Um in, in many, different, many different
0: parts, learning how to work together to accomplish this task. And uh, bearing with one another, showing patience, discovering each other's strengths. I mean, everything that it means t- to be the body of Christ and to depend on each other's strengths, we experienced uh, in terms of from the leadership perspective. You know, you know, Jonathan, you did a great job trying to basically organizing everything and trying to put things into graphics so that we have some kind of picture to follow. Uh my wife was working really hard to write these stories for the little kids there were people many people who are illustrating uh the pictures for the drawing or coming up with crossword puzzles uh we had two two of our members Lucas and Daniel who are musicians who were the primary people putting these these verses to song and helping us write these memory verse songs we have another uh member who uh a couple members who know about you know uh, apps, and they were able to build an app so that we have uh, a resource online where they can go get the sermon or the memory verse song or or this podcast. So Johnny Brendler and uh, was a key to that. He's also the producer of this this podcast and Carlos, and so we have uh, uh, well, a lot of people. And it was so it's it's been beautiful to see how the whole church. Where many people from the church are discovering their gifts, or even discovering that the resources and abilities they have can be put to good use for building up the body of Christ, and that has been a beautiful thing. To to that, when you said learning how to work together, uh, but that's exactly what the body of Christ is supposed to do, and it's been it's been extremely fruitful and encouraging, even even in the times when it's been. Uh, rough and hard to like understand each other and try to work things out. Uh, the the benefit of it has been far far greater than what we have seen in the previous years in this ministry specifically. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean we are we're not putting this forward as if it's the silver bullet to every every uh, church issue. It's just our our approach. We have to choose one, and so we're doing our best right. to apply faithfully what we think is the opportunity we have and the principles in the Word. Um, just to, to kind of round out what we, we have to talk about today, looking ahead now to Leviticus, what are your personal hopes for yourself as a shepherd and as a father and a head of a home um, as we approach yeah, this these next 12, 13 weeks? Well, I'm actually very excited
0: to go through Leviticus. I don't know if I would have said that a year ago, but I am very excited to go through Leviticus. As we've been going through, we've been going through the Old Testament and... Uh, Leviticus is such an essential book, and it's so often overlooked. Most churches spend the majority of their time in the New Testament, and and maybe they should. But it is so important for churches to understand the Old Testament. We don't get a full picture of who Christ is without everything leading up to the New Testament. And Leviticus is key because Leviticus is about the gospel. Leviticus establishes important things for us in order to understand things like why Christ had to die... Why sacrifice? Words that we use all the time, but most people don't know. Words like atonement or trespass, th- f- propitiation, fellowship, uh, fellowship with God, fellowship with one another. I mean, Leviticus really lays the groundwork uh, in the Old Testament for these sacrifices and the partici- like fellowship with God, but also how we fellowship with one another and to... to, to to teach my children this is, I hope, my goal is that they, they grow in their understanding of, you know, Christ fulfills all of the sacrifices that we learn about in Leviticus. Why is that important for us to know? And, uh, it's, it's like, it's, it's so important for us as parents that we just don't give our kids the truth. Jesus died for you and he rose again. That's an important, that is the gospel, but it's the, it's the, how do we dwell with God? How do we maintain fellowship with God? Uh, why did Christ have to die on a cross? Why did his blood need to be shed for us? All of those things are answered for us in Leviticus. And when we have that foundation and we understand those things, and, we, and then we go and read the New Testament, all of these conversations that Jesus is having with people in, in the Gospels, or when Paul is speaking and he's speaking to referencing Jews, all of a sudden, this stuff becomes, it's no longer foreign to us. It's no longer abstract. It makes total sense. And so my hope is that we get a greater understanding of what it means to—what it means for Christ to be our sacrifice, to be our propitiation, you know, to, to bear our sins on the cross. Why, why, what is that all about? And also what it means to be in fellowship with God, to be in community with God's people, which is why we've we've titled this whole series through, this series through Leviticus we've titled in the camp with God, because we want to see why is it so important what what does it mean for it for these people in Israel in their time the people of Israel to dwell in the camp with God what does it mean that every bit of their life every facet both the the worship the the ceremonial but also the daily living was completely saturated with the relationship with God. And, uh, and what that means for us today as people who are in Christ and who are a part of, of the people of God, Christ's church, and how we, you know, we don't, I don't want to teach my kids to live this compartmental life where they have their own life Monday through Saturday and they give a little bit to God on Sunday and that's their, that's their contribution to God as they go and do their church thing. No, I want them to understand that their whole life is saturated in the relationship that they have with god through christ and how that draws them into community with with the whole body of christ and how they're an integral part of that fellowship of that of everything that god is doing to fulfill his plan of redemption and so you know i don't want to start my sermon here on this podcast but i have to say i'm very excited to walk people through leviticus
1: and show why this is so important for us to know excellent yeah we definitely looking forward to getting going I think it's initially it puts you off the repetitive nature of the the, liter, the of the words of the sentences and everything but to dig into like these first couple of sacrifices on Sunday the dedication the communion that's expressed there so well thank you for uh, thank you for joining I'm glad that we together can uh, can offer this resource to, uh, to our community and we do look forward to whatever the next weeks are or have an offer for us. Thank you for joining us today. For more info about our local church community and ministries, please visit our website, www.ibc-cologne.com.